I'm Susie Anetta, Editor-in-Chief of Design Anthology. And on this episode of the podcast, we're talking with Miriam Fanning, who this year celebrates 20 years of her practice MIM Design, and she's joining us from Melbourne. So I wanted to start at the very start and find out about when that aha moment was for you as a kid, I suppose, uh, and when you decided you wanted to be an interior designer. Wow, Um, that's a long time ago now, Susie. (laughs) Um, I guess for me, um, growing up, I I really was quite a creative creative person. I never really thought that I would be a designer of sorts. I had a complete love for anything that was an animal, horses, Mm. chickens, ducks, cats. um, And I loved all of that. And at the same time, as a a kid, I really loved um, drawing. I was a very visual person. Um, When I found out that you had to be really great at maths to become a veterinarian, that just threw that right out the door for me. Um, (laughs) That's one one of my weaknesses is mathematics. So it was quite quite interesting because that was when I really learned I was more on the creative um, scale. Of, of things to do. Mm. Um, when I finished year 12, I, I obviously in year 12 back then, which was HSC, um, I studied arts and, you know, got got a really fantastic high mark, which was terrific. And I thought, well, I'd love to be a graphic designer. I love the whole idea behind the message of, of branding and why you create a brand and, and what a brand means to somebody. Um, so I applied for, um, visual communications and unfortunately I didn't get in and then I thought well I actually also like the idea of creative spaces so I applied for interior design and got in six weeks later I had an opening for um, graphic design and I was enjoying the interior design so much I decided not not to take it Mm. and I'm really really glad that I didn't to be honest because what I learned was the whole world of interior design was all about three dimensions. It's it, back then, you know, graphic design, you know, over 20 years ago was very 2D. And for me going into a field that was very visual and a, and spatially um, a three-dimensional format of, of shape and form was far more exciting. So, you know, I stumbled into it, but once I did, I actually really, really loved all of the things that came with interior design, planning, creating spaces and understanding, you know, how people lived. And I think also for me, um, loving branding and visual communication so much also helped me understand why I wanted to design things. So mm. that was a really, really nice um, cross check for me as well. Mm. Um, when I actually had, had finished my, um, my course, I I really wanted to um, work somewhere that excited me and that inspired me. Um, obviously, I, I got a, a, a very small um, job 
post finishing the course, which was in a domestic field, which really didn't float my boat at the time. So I spent about three months studying all of the architecture um, firms in Melbourne because mm. I wanted to work on, on projects that were exciting to me. So I came across a company that did a lot of retail and a lot of retail planning, and that really, really sparked my, my emotion. I thought, wow, I'd love to do that. So I, um, I, approached, I approached the Bucken Group mm-hmm. um, after seeing all of the retail that they had done, and there was a gentleman there named Fred Wheatland. I will never forget him. Um, and for about three months, I think I rang him every two weeks to see if, if there was a position for me and could I please come and work with you. And I think finally he gave in. <laughs> and uh, and I, um, I, I was able to secure a job there. And this, this is really funny, Susie, because back in the day, um, you know, the architects in the office actually wore smocks. Oh. And it was just so bizarre. Oh, yeah, because they didn't want to get their shirts dirty. Of course. You know, it was quite funny because you've got to remember when I first started, everybody was hand-drawing. Yeah. All of those, all the plans were hand-drawn. They were all dye-lined. They were all blueprinted. Um, it was a very, very different way of, of working um, in terms of technology as to what it is today. So I often think back at that time and, and just really – um, I really enjoy the fact that I've seen a whole industry change so rapidly and differently. And when I explain to like my kids that, you know, architects used to be able to smoke in the office and wear <laughs> smocks, they're like, they're like, oh my God, mom, that's just so, so bizarre. But that was, that was what it was like back then. And also um, when I started my career there, um, the, the majority of the firm were architect. Um, they didn't, really have um, interior designers per se. They had one other lady there who was absolutely lovely. They also didn't have a library. So for me, Mm. when I started my career there, I really wanted to understand product and finishes. I wanted to understand application of everything that you could use on a a project. Mm. So I started um, the library and, um, and basically ended up taking over a quarter of the office with samples which they sort of looked at me a little bit weird going you're taking up more space Mim you're taking up more space (laughs) but it it was a really great um it was a really great it was a really great thing to do because it actually brought the architects and the interior people together to talk about how they were specifying things apart from just drawing Mm. and for me that that was the start of my career as a graduate starting a library working with architects and I think, um, you know, working in that studio, um, which I did work for the Bucking Group for over 13 years because I loved I loved that place and, you know, it's a big part of my career and it's a big part of my learning mm. that, I, that I undertook. Um, at that particular studio um, was absolutely fantastic. Um, it was working with a group of people that you could walk around and ask what they were doing or Canada, and I was so lucky to be able to be seen just beyond a designer at the time that picked finishes and materials, which is, you know, pretty much 20, 30 years back, 25 years back then. That's really what a lot of interior designers in large architectural practices did. But I was really lucky to be um, mentored by a number of directors and to be taken through the whole process of master planning designing, mm. interior architecture, 
all of that aspect. And for me, that was just a, such a period of rapid growth in my career that I really, really enjoyed. And I just wanted more. Like I went to work every day um, wanting to learn another thing or wanting to know what the next thing was. And that's something that's sort of inbuilt within me even mm. to this day as to what is the next thing. And it was so great to be working in a company where I could actually be a part of that and be inspired and see that my career and my ideas and what was being produced by people around me was ever evolving. So I really loved that aspect of it. Mm. And then I guess I guess from my career point of view, you know, I spent a long time at one one um, one office with, you know, which I really loved and I, I learned a hell of a lot which was amazing as well mm. um, I'd love to know whether you think that uh, segregation between the architecture and the interiors was that common at the time and is that something that you still see today or do you think that more and more within practices say such as yours that those two uh, departments I would say work more closely together Look, I think for me, um, you know, working, you know, the first half of my career in an architectural firm, yes, when I first started, it was very segregated. They didn't really understand what interior designers do. But over a period of, of years, I really, really saw a very integrated approach um, within that practice. You know, there were graphic designers, there were interior designers, there were industrial designers, and we all worked together. And it was really, really lovely because the head directors and the principals really encouraged that. Um, they really, really, um, they really encouraged the fact that it, it was important to work together as a collaborative approach. And, you know, over a period of, of, of those 13 years, yeah, I was approached by some other companies to go and work with them, but I really didn't feel that I was going to get that integration mm. that I was getting with the firm that I was working with. And for me, you know, your whole period of your career is always learning and always doing something different. And I was never one to want to be segregated into a box. Like I appreciate all factors, whether you're an architect, an interior designer, an industrial designer, a fashion designer or a graphic designer. But when you come down to it, when you collaborate with those people and you work together, that's when you, you actually get the best result. So for me, um, I think industry has changed a lot. Like if I fast forward to today and to our studio, um, we're very, very integrated in the way that we work. Um, we collaborate with a lot of external consultants, whether it's landscape, architecture or planners. But we also internally, we do interior design, we do interior decoration, we do furniture and styling. And we've also got four architects working in the office as well. Mm. And even though some of those projects are classified as architectural projects, we all work together at the very start of a project. It's not as though one practitioner comes along, does their bit, hands it on to somebody else and then hands it on to the next person because that's their specialist specialization. We don't work that way. And I, I, I really believe even with our team, you know, I might have employed somebody that has just done multi-res and the whole thing about them coming to join us and work with us is for project diversity. Mm. And I do believe that pushing yourself to do different things and working with different elements and 
different people is really important in your career and it just creates a great design diversity. Um, I did go on an amazing trip um, with Dulux to Stockholm and to London, um, which was the design, Dulux Design Dialogue. And it was absolutely fantastic because when we're in Stockholm, we went to so many architectural firms and creative firms and their approach to integration of, of practices was really, really fabulous mm. because they all worked together. It wasn't a definitive line. And that's where you could see some of these amazing projects transpire. So for me, I, I appreciate every, every, every practitioner and what they do and who they are. But I also think working together and actually having a collaboration creates many invested minds in a project. So for me, that's really important. Mm. So it's quite a holistic approach then. Um, I read that when you started the studio, it, it was just oh, you, absolutely. obviously. Um, but was it deliberate? Did you ever think that you'd get to the size that you're at now? And obviously you're celebrating a 20-year anniversary this year, which is quite a milestone, a very impressive milestone in any industry. Did you think that you would get to this size and to, to have the team that you have across so many disciplines? Oh, look, um, Susie, no, I really didn't. Um, when MIM Design started, I um, I basically had a, a, a nine-month-old baby. Um, I was back in the office part-time, and but I was working probably the equivalent to full-time hours because I, I love what I do. But I also thought, okay, I need the flexibility to be able to, you know, stay home and work or do some things remotely. Um, I think, you know, I might just do my own thing and become a consultant. And I was very, very lucky. Uh, you know, I've got an amazing husband and father-in-law that I've really talked to about how this would work. Was it a good idea? I loved where I was working, but was this the best decision for me moving forward? So there was a lot of deliberation. And when I did decide to become a consultant, that's why I named MIM Design, MIM Design, because it was just me. It was never going, it was never, when I went into this, it was never um, on the proviso that I would have, you know, a firm of five, eight or 10, or even like today, which is 20, 27, 28. Um, so that's why it was named MIM Design. And I thought, well, I started the firm um, basically with no projects. And within two weeks, I had two years worth of consultancy um, consultancy. Um, projects that I was wow. working or contracts that I was working on. Wow. So I didn't know that I was going to get two years worth of consultancy on projects. I just thought, oh, well, here's a risk. I'm going to take it. And I did. Um, my first project was actually a resort in um, Palm Cove, mm. which was fantastic. And it was basically myself and, and um, another person who happened to be my father-in-law's assistant that I managed to steal because I was sharing an office with him at the time and I was very lucky to be sharing an office with him. Um, and, and that was fantastic and um, really enjoyed that project. And from there, the, the, the studio sort of grew into incrementally um, dependent on the work that we did. So, the you know, at the very start of MIM Design, there was a lot of retail consultants master planning consultancy then it went on to hotel work and resort work as well as individual retail and then you know my whole thing that I was excited about by doing MIM design was that 
we could actually do diverse projects. Like I could actually start to do some residential. I could start to do some hospitality. I could start to do some corporate. All the things that really I didn't focus too much on when I was at my previous um, previous um, business that I was on, on my previous office. So it was really fantastic and it, it really kept me inspired. I think um, <clears throat> incrementally the office grew from like two to five, then eight, then 12, then 15. And then, you know, probably in the last five or six, five years or six years, it's got to 28. Mm. Um, for, for me, I'm at a really happy place. Um, I always, I'm a, I'm, sometimes I do get stressed about having my own business, but I think that's any person that has their own business. Mm. I just find I'm worrying and being stressed about what is next from a business perspective in terms of projects coming in, mm. especially in this time. Yeah. But I think also, um, I think also for me, having 28 staff and I've got a few on maternity leave at the moment um, is a really nice fit. And it's quite a diverse team and it's a very strong team. Like we've worked really hard to get some amazing people as part of our team. So I'm really, really proud of them all. And I'm really proud of the projects that we have. I think a little bit of a note on us being 20 years, mm. I'd actually like to forget that. I'd like to forget <laughs> that this year with COVID. And I think <laughs> Celebrate I might, next year. I think I might... I think I might, I might be like a teenager and celebrate my 21st birthday instead. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was really interesting because 20 years in 2020 is such, a, is such great numbers. And we were actually putting together an amazing book with our, you know, of some of our key projects, um, which was quite beautiful. And we'd actually got it all organised and I just had the, the last um, bit of, bit of um, info and photography to go in and COVID happened. And I said, you know what, that's just not going to happen this year. So I think for us, you know, the celebration is going to be next year when, when we're beyond a little bit mm. of, of what we're all going through around the world at the moment. Yeah, that's probably wise. After 20 years of running the business, I'd love to know, um, you know, as a creative person where there is this stereotype that creatives don't necessarily have the business brains, what other skills have you learnt along the way running a business aside from obviously your design skills? Oh, there's so many aspects of running a business that, you know, balance with design skills. And I think that's really important. Um, you know, having relationships is with your clients, feeling connected to the people you're working with is really important. I think now at, you know, I think about 10 years ago, I started writing business plans. So obviously under, understanding your business and what your business stands for, making sure that in every way you work, you're actually focusing on those aspects of what your business stands for to make your projects and your products stronger is really, really important. And actually recognise what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are and I think as any designer you know we can always you know we love beautiful things we can always keep looking for the next beautiful thing but you've also got to look at things that you've done that you know you question yourself and and know well is that going to be the right thing moving forward so I think being able to stand outside of, of what you do and really approach that 
and question yourself as a business owner is very important. I think setting up a business plan um, takes a lot of time and I'm I'm actually now into writing my, my next one because I write them every couple of years mm. and I think that's important to keep challenging yourself and keep looking at what you're doing and keep, you know, not looking at what other people are doing but what you want to do because that's going to actually make you stronger as well and it's going to make you love what you do even more so and I think that's important. Um, obviously understanding financials um, is a big part of being a business owner, understanding how projects stack up, understanding the efficiencies. I mean I could go on and on and on like and write a whole massive um, list of all the things that come along with owning a business. But I, I guess if I was to take it down to three things, which I feel are really important, obviously great design. Mm. That's just first and foremost. Coming along with great design is actually trying, being diverse and actually having people understand that you are an investment and you are there for them and you are creating things that are not cookie cutter, but they're different every time which is really important. Mm. I think the second thing is actually understanding what your business stands for and under, making sure your, your team are part of what your business stands for. I think that's really, really important. And the third thing is actually client relationships and relationships across the board. You know, you could be an amazing designer, but if you don't have great relationships with your clients, you won't get repeat work. If you don't have great relationships with um, your suppliers, which, you know, they're integral to how you do your projects. A supplier can really, you know, be pivotal in creating new things or helping you, you know, work out new ways of doing things. If you don't have those relationships, that makes design a lot harder as well. So I think relationships, you know, obviously design and also what your business stands for are the three integral things. And, you know, they're the, they're the things that build um, a business and also build a client base and build salaries and teams and staff and all of those things that come along with it. Mm, I couldn't agree more. You, you've talked a bit about relationships and also connections. I'd love to know how you're uh, reconfiguring that at the moment, given the current situation, because you're in Melbourne, I'm in Hong Kong, you're in lockdown, we're in semi-lockdown. How are you managing to stay connected and maintain those relationships uh, from a distance? Well, look, it's really interesting. Um, we had a couple of meetings yesterday today actually on this note and they were for some projects interstate and the first question they said to me was well look you're in Melbourne we're in Queensland how are we going to how are you go how are we going to do this project and I said well to be honest actually working interstate has actually been more efficient for, for me on our interstate projects working on Zoom and micro teams and doing all of our presentations that way it also means that we're communicating a lot more regularly um, opposed to just flying up, you know, once a month. Like mm. we are actually talking all the time. So I think when you are doing work remotely, I think one of the blessings behind what we're all going through has taught us to work a different way and it's a lot more efficiently and our clients know that they can connect with you within 24 or 48 hours rather than waiting for you to get on a plane to come up and chat with them and do a presentation. Now, obviously with those projects, 
um, you know, when you are presenting and there's finishes and, you know, all of those sort of things, what we usually do is we will send them up prior to the meeting. So they've got the finishes that we've got in front of us and we're all pretty much connected in every way through, you know, our faces, our drawings, our finishes, everything. So for, for me, um, that's been working really well um, and that's been a positive aspect. I think being connected as a studio um, has been, you know, at the very start of this, we were really, really conscious because Susie, I'm not a technology based person. I mean, God, you know, my first job, as I said to you, was in an architectural studio where they hand drew and wore lab coats, you know. <laughs> so, for, so for me, um, when COVID started in March, it was a really great excuse for me to become a little bit more technology savvy. And I'm sure some of my team were just giggling at me, but I've got it now. So they're like, oh, she knows what she's doing. Um, but, the, but, the, but the other thing is we, you know, at the moment we have nine people in the office and the remainder are all working remotely. So, you know, mm. we've got something like, like 29 studios, if you look at it that way. Yeah. Um, so, so for us, we connect via Microsoft Teams and just recently, I guess, you know, going into COVID um, stage into lockdown two, what we found is a lot of our team actually just like picking up the phone and talking, which I'm really pleased mm. because in the past you'd always be sending emails and everything would be email, email, email. Now we've actually gone back to verbal communicating, which is really, really lovely. Mm. And it's nice because you can actually get to feel um you can get to feel how your team are going on a personal level. Um, so for, for me, yeah, I, I think work is still work, work is still going well. I think it's difficult that you can't see each other face to face. Um, but at the same time, I think there's definitely been benefits of the situation we found ourselves in. Mm, that's good to hear. Uh, I'd really love to talk to you a bit about the Australian design industry, actually, uh, considering that you have the perspective that you do. And I'd love to know how you think the design landscape and the market there has changed, um, even just since you opened MIM Design. Oh, look, I, I actually think Australian design is so global probably and I, I know that you get to see a lot of things Susie um, but I, I actually think some of some of our design um, projects are some of the best in the world and what I love about Australian design is that we live our lives differently we live our lives with aspect view sunshine landscape um, you know holistically we have very, very different types of, of architecture all around Australia and people really wanting to understand the architecture and the interiors together is something that I really appreciate about Australian design. Um, I think, you know, in the last 10 years, um, Australian design has really been taken very seriously around the world, but also it's been a great place to be in and to work within because I'm part of a small practices group with the DIA and a lot of um, small practices in interior design catch up and we always talk about how do we 
how do we make our community better? And one of the things that I've noticed over the last five years, a lot of people who didn't understand what interior designers do are actually now understanding what we do. So I think the biggest struggle in the last 10 years is for people to understand what our practitioners do in our industry. But I actually think that that has changed a lot in the last five years. Really a good place to be. In saying that, I still think we've got a fair way to go with with um, with general public understanding what our what our industry does mm. um, and how our industry works and how to protect our industry as well. Um, and in saying that, by protecting our industry, particularly now more than ever, um, the world that we're finding ourselves in, you know, it's the best time for us as practitioners to support local manufacturing and design mm. so you know i work a lot with australian manufacturers of furniture um and it, it you know it's great to be able to sit down and know well i actually can can work with you i know what we're getting we don't have a massive lead time we're supporting our own country plus we're supporting our design standards so i think you know i've seen a lot more of that and you know particularly in the furniture an art in the artistic um, realm, um, there's so many great things that Australia has to offer as well. Mm, I completely agree. Um, I'd, I'd love to have you possibly describe what you think the Australian home is. Like, is there a pervading aesthetic that seems to be common to Australia or is it really more down to climate or lifestyle? Is there a, an easy way for you to describe what that might be or what it might look uh, like? Uh, <laughs> yeah, look, I, I, for me, my whole ideology of design is you design fit for purpose and for space and for demographic as well as location. So if you were to typify Australian design, it's a hard thing to do but there are some consistencies that I believe exist. And that is really natural daylight. You know, Australians love natural daylight. We have a lot of um, harsh sunlight in Australia. We also love shade. So it's actually about creating a home that embraces natural daylight, but is also cocooning when it needs to be. And I think Australians do that very well. I think in terms of technology, um, Australia and our new builds and our new interiors um, are quite advanced when it comes to energy efficiencies and sustainability. I think that, that that is something that is really, really refreshing. And I think as part of the design community, Australian homes also have a history of nostalgia and heritage. And I think moving forward in the future, keeping that history and and nostalgia is really important. So as an interior designer that is fitting out an old home and connecting it with a new extension, for example, actually leaving a story behind is really important. And I think Australians do that really well. Mm. That was as a great a, as a description. Force. Fantastic. Yeah. I hope it works. Yeah. Um, so we've mentioned, obviously, the big anniversary, which will become 21 years next year when it's uh, more, I guess, uh, timely to celebrate and, and the forthcoming book. But I'd love to know if there's anything else that you're able to share with us that, uh, you know, is coming up with MEM Design that you're able to talk about. 
Oh, there's so many things happening all the time. And um, I know that my team will laugh at this, but I always drive them crazy. I say, what's the next thing? And they all look at me and go, here she goes again. Here she goes again. <laughs> but um, for me, you know, the the last couple of weeks, I've really had a hanker to, to just sketch for myself. So, you know, I've been lucky enough to work with some great manufacturers. Um, I've been working with Grazia and Co, who's a dear friend of mine for years um, in doing some individual furniture pieces. And we're talking about another couple of things at the moment, which we're both excited about. So getting time to sketch and design on a macro level and create objects and furniture is really important for me um, in the next couple of years. Um, I'd also probably, um, like to to do more painting and things that I never get time to do uh, but that's a personal a personal point that I want to achieve for myself um, and the other thing is I guess as a firm um, we want to grow and diversify we don't want to grow in numbers um, we want to grow in the types of projects we're doing and how we do them and we also want to diversify in our offer in terms of what our clients can can come and talk to us about and how we can work with them. So there's a lot of exciting things that are going to happen in the next year or so. And um, it's just a matter of putting them all into place and making sure that they, they all make sense and they all work together. So mm. the book's one exciting thing though. I've always wanted to, to put something together and it, it's really strange because I've got projects, I've got probably 15 projects in there that I keep forgetting about because I haven't put them on our website or anything. And I keep turning back and going, oh, wow, when did I do that? So <laughs> it, it's really nice. It's really nice to be able to, to celebrate that through imagery, but also know that the clients we've worked with in the last 15 years, particularly the projects we're putting in this book are repeat clients that I've actually got fantastic relationships with. So I look forward to having more of that, I guess, in, in the next 10, 10 to 15 years as well. Mm. Um, so I think that I don't think there's anything else I could, could add to that. I think that's probably enough to do. <laughs> that all sounds pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks so much, Miriam. It's been, you know, a, a real pleasure and just lovely catching up and hearing how you're going. Uh, and I'm hoping that we'll get a chance to catch up again in real life in Melbourne or somewhere else sometime soon in the future. Susie, I hope. Susie, I hope so. I really do. <laughs> I'd like to. I'd like to get out of Victoria for a little <laughs> bit of a holiday break, but that's not going to happen at the moment. Yeah, we all just have to but, be um, patient. Yeah, I wish you. Yeah, we do. And look, I wish you all the best in Hong Kong. And um, absolutely love Design Anthology. It's one of my my most favourite publications. So thank you so much. I've loved chatting with you today too. Thank you. We'll take care. We'll speak soon. 